continuing a little bit our topic on consecration, and this this one tonight will uh, be a little bit deep, deeper, amen, as the song says, in the love of Jesus, amen. Now we're going to look in the Old Testament at what it meant for consecration, and consecration in the Old Testament always involves some type of sacrifice, some type of of offerings. So we're going to look at that tonight, the offerings. And of course, we're starting with that verse that I told you I really love, Hebrews 10:14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You know why I'm laughing? Cuz I used to use that as a password. It's, it's I can say it now because I'm not using it. Hebrews 10:14, that was a good password. You'd have to know your Bible, right? To break my code. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That, that's been the theme this month on sanctification. And in the Old Testament it was through the sacrificial offerings. And does anyone remember how many offerings there were? How many types of offering there were in the Old Testament? I said how many well, you can name them if you want to. She said sin. Okay, that's one, two, three, okay, four. Some of them have dual names. Any others? All right, we'll, we'll go over them. There were five offerings in the Old Testament. Uh, peace offering and fellowship offering, uh, really the same thing. They have different names. There were three offerings that were blood sacrifices, the burnt offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering. And the other two were of grain or meal. And they were the meal offering or fellowship offering and the peace offering. And they have, they go by, some of them have multiple names. And so sometimes it was known as a fellowship offering and so on. But those were the basic five offerings or means of consecration in the Old Testament, there was always a sacrifice. There was always a, uh, something that had to be done on our part. And each of these offerings were for a specific thing, which has a parallel in the church. And that's why we're going to teach on, on it tonight, because there are symbolic things that we can glean from studying the Old Testament offerings. In fact, the scripture says that all scripture, right, is good for knowledge and for doctrine. And in fact, when that was written, there wasn't a New Testament. So in fact, they were talking about the Old Testament. So what was the Old Testament solution for consecration? Well, it was the offerings. And I'm going to focus tonight mainly on the first three, which are blood sacrifices, the burnt offering. And the burnt offering was for the removal of guilt towards God. Guilt towards God. And in other words, that was talking about justification. Just as if I hadn't done it. And then, of course, the sin offering we all know about was for forgiveness of, and here's the key phrase though, unintentional sin. There was no forgiveness for premeditated, deliberate sin against God. There was no there was no means of forgiveness for direct sin directly against God. But there was forgiveness of sins directly against God if they were 
unintentional. That means in, in innocence. And then the third blood sacrifice was, and of course that's for atonement, at one with God. The third one was called the trespass offering. And that was removal of sins of any kind, even premeditated, but against our fellow man. So those are the three blood sacrifices. The other two were meal or, or grain, uh, mostly grain offerings. So let me go over them again. The burnt offering was for justification uh, of your sin. The sin offering was for atonement, at one with God. And the trespass offering was against your fellow man. And those were the three blood sacrifices. Now I want to show you something interesting about the, the different offerings and, and when they came into play. Mostly, mostly two of them were always given at the same time. Because usually if you were guilty, why were you guilty? Because you had sinned. So the burnt offering and the sin offering were usually given at the same time. The other reason for a burnt offering by itself was just for consecration. So a burnt offering was done if the temple needed to be consecrated. But typically, if it was for guilt, it was always given a burnt offering and a sin offering because you were guilty because you had sinned. Now I want to show you something really interesting. I'm going to have to slow down now, so I'll go too fast. I'm going to try and slow it down so you get all of this. Obviously, in the case of the very first human sin, which is Adam and Eve, they ran away and they hid. Now, why do people hide? Guilt. Guilt. That's why people hide. Let's read it in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 7. And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. What were they doing? They were making a covering, a covering for their sin, for their shame, and for their guilt. And the covering, though, only covered the outside. They no longer could see that they were naked physically. But here's the amazing thing. Somehow, it didn't help them. If the covering they had made had worked, they wouldn't have been hiding. They still needed to hide. Why? Because the covering they made could only fix the outside. It couldn't fix the inside. There was no covering that man can make that can fix the inside. Verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And I'm reminded, I told you, when, when Chris was, was small, uh, you know, like two or three years old, and he would hide behind the door, and we'd be playing hide and seek, and I'd say, Are you in there? And he would say, No. <laughs> God knew where they were. You can't hide from God. It was so cute. He would hide behind the door, and I'd play a little trick. I'd say, Are you in there? And he'd say, No. That's us. That's us so many times. We try and hide from God and tell him, no, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm fine. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. 
And he was afraid and naked because the covering that he had made could only cover the outside, could do nothing for the inside. So the removal of guilt or consecration, separation, requires a covering. So we see that God, in his mercy, provided a temporary covering. A temporary covering. In Genesis 3.21, it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins. And I want you to remember that. Skins. And clothe them. Now, what was the difference between what God made to clothe them and what they made to clothe themselves? Well, for there to be skins, it's implied that an animal died. There was a blood sacrifice. God killed an animal and took the skin and clothed them. This sacrifice made a difference because they were able then to stop hiding. But it didn't put them back into the former state because... What they had now as a covering was so inferior to what they had before as a covering. Before they had sinned, they were covered with the glory of God. They had the very spirit and presence of God. Now, all God could do for them was a temporary covering, a blood sacrifice. And so God made a sacrifice on their behalf. And so we see really the first offering because God had to kill something in order to cover them. Now, although it's not explicit, that is the implication. I want you to remember that because, as I've said before, the Hebrew word for skin and the Hebrew word for light is the same word. O-R-E. The root word in Hebrew is the same for skin and for light. Now, you remember in the book of Job, when Job, Satan wanted to mess with Job, He said, the reason why he's serving you is because you've put a wall around him. You've put a covering around him. You've put a, a fence around him. Just remove that fence, remove that covering, and let me add him, and you'll see. And then the devil says something really interesting. Anyone know what he said? Skin for skin. You know what he was doing? He was having a little hint back to what God had done. Yeah, you put a covering over mankind. Skin for skin. The original covering, the ore, the light, the glory is gone. But you now put another covering. You remove that covering. Let me get at him. And you'll see whether he will still serve you. You see, the offering that justifies us, that makes us guilt-free in the Old Testament, and the covering was a burnt offering. And the burnt offering really had two parts to it. Because it wasn't just killing an animal. Because you could kill an animal and still not be justified. So there was a part for us to play in the Old Testament on the burnt offering. You had to have it by faith. We know that because in Genesis, when Cain and Abel both brought their gifts, one was accepted and one was not. And it's not till we get to the New Testament we we find out that Abel's sacrifice, which is a blood sacrifice, was offered with faith. Because it says about Cain's offering that because it was not offered with faith, that's why God rejected it. That means even when we sacrifice, we've got to come to God by faith. So the justification by faith is belief. You have to believe that God has forgiven you. It does no good if Jesus died on the cross. If you refuse to accept that, 
It does no good if I say I have a million dollars in the bank for you. If you refuse to believe me and you still want to live on the streets and be homeless, it doesn't matter if I've got a million dollars in the bank for you. You have to accept God's forgiveness. You have to accept the justification. So there is the first part of the, the burnt offering referred to the faith, justification by faith. And then the second part is the justification by grace. It's God's unmerited favor. And we'll find two scriptures to support that. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by what? Come on, you're all too quiet tonight. I'm going too fast. I'll slow down, calm down. All right. Because I'm so passionate about this. Therefore being justified by faith. When we're justified by faith, what does that give us? What does it say? We have peace. We have peace. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have peace. You only have peace... You only have peace if you believe it. Otherwise, Satan will still come to you and tell you, Hey, you're naked. You're no good. God doesn't love you. So the first part of the burnt offering was to believe that doing this act justified you. The second part was God's part, which we can't do. He gave us his grace and he accepted the sacrifice. So the first part was us believing and bringing the sacrifice. The second part was him accepting the sacrifice. That's his gift. And the scripture for that is in Titus chapter 3 verse 7. That being justified by, now what does it say this time? His grace. Do you see the two parts? Because the burnt offering was for justification. It was for the removal of guilt. But what the scriptures are showing us, that it has two parts to it. One is by faith, we have to believe. Secondly, it's God's gift when we present ourselves. Our bodies, what? A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. So the burnt offering was the offering that justified it. Was God giving a covering to Adam and Eve that they could come out of the bush? Because up to that point, even the the stuff they had put on was not good enough. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as what? He may have made a really beautiful, unique fig garment. But even he and Eve knew something was wrong. It wasn't good enough. They were still hiding. It wasn't until God did, in effect, a blood sacrifice and covered them, made coats of skin. And you see the reference in Job that... Job was making some kind of hint. It's because you have covered them skin for skin. It's because you, you gave them a second covering. They lost that, that glory covering and you gave them a temporary covering, but you just let me at them. You removed the hedge, you removed the fence. But you see what Job didn't realize, there was still something there. And that was Job's faith. Because faith is part of the justification. You have to believe. It's so hard for us to believe that God is looking down on us and is telling us right now, I love you, I am pleased with you. I find it hard to accept that. Because I start, immediately things come to my mind, but you did this or you didn't do this. But what we have to do is come to him by faith that his love for us and his death at Calvary justifies us. Who shall lay a charge to God's elect? It is who? God that does what? justifies. So you see, the burnt offering had two parts, and it was the offering that removed guilt. Isn't that awesome? We're going to see that in the New Testament. So that's the first part. Now, in this, 
it was supposed to be done a certain way. Leviticus 1.4. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. And it shall be accepted for him to make an atonement, an at-one-ment with God. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priest Aaron's son shall bring the blood. Physically, the burnt offering had two parts, just like it has two parts spiritually, faith and grace. Physically, it had two parts. As I said, there was a skin and there was the blood. And we see this really beautifully in the Old Testament. Thou shalt kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest. Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood around about the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. That was part one. So that was the sacrifice. We are to bring ourselves a sacrifice, as living sacrifice. That's our part. We come to God by faith. The second part I said was, was God's doing. He then After the animal was killed, he took the skin and what did he do? He made a covering. He made a coats for Adam and Eve. We see that in the parable of the father and the prodigal son. As I've said over and over again, he called for the best to cover him. That's what God's blood does. It covers our sins. So the second part of the burnt offering, and this is something you may not have realized. Let's read it. And the priest that offereth any man's burnt offering, even the priest shall have to himself the what? The skin, the second part of the burnt offering. You see that? You're looking at me. Which he hath offered. There were two parts to the burnt offering. There was the blood and then the skin was not to be burnt. That was given as a covering. It was given to the priest on behalf of the supplicant. And that covering is God's grace. Adam and Eve could not have made a covering that covered the inside. They made a covering that covered the outside But it did nothing for the inside. And that's what consecration is. We come to God and then he does his part. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Amen. So the burnt offering was principally for a covering and for guilt removal. And we see it several times, many times in scripture. The the next major burnt offering after that was when Noah came out of the ark. Right? He sacrificed, and the Bible says he made a burnt offering. And God smelled a sweet savor. And he gave grace because he said, you know what? I'm not going to curse the earth anymore. Man's heart is evil continually from his youth. God discounted our ability to be perfect anymore. And that's God's grace. It wasn't based upon my ability to to be perfect. It was based upon my ability to believe in his perfection. It's based upon my faith in him, not on my faith in myself. Because I would do like Adam and Eve. I'd I'd be hiding. I'd find some bush to hide under and I wouldn't come out. But God's grace, God's covering, what Jesus did on Calvary, Covers us. That's the covering. And you can see this in the burnt offering, the two parts, and that the skin in this case was not to be burnt. It was given as a covering to the priest. Isn't that awesome? Well, I think it's awesome. You don't have to agree with me. Amen. You can see that God's fingerprint is on every page of the Bible. None of this is happenstance. He didn't just say, okay, what shall I do today? He has planned this salvation. He has woven every little element from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament so that we can look at it and see, yes, God had a plan back from there. Amen. On grace and and the offerings. So now, one of the most important burnt offerings that Israel had to do, they were commanded 
to give a morning and an evening sacrifice of two unblemished lambs. And I've taught many times that this was why the shepherds were out on Bethlehem because they were in fact uh, priests. They were Levites of the temple raising flocks to be sacrificed because you had to have two perfect lambs every single day. 365 days a year, no matter what else went on, there was the morning and the evening sacrifice. And that required two perfect unblemished lambs. So the Levites had their own flocks. And that's why the shepherds appeared to them to tell them, listen, this is about to come to an end. Because behold, this night is born in Bethlehem, Christ the Savior. And and you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes in the manger where they used to put the, the lambs who were going to be sacrificed. That's why the, the angels appeared to those shepherds. I don't know if I'd have wanted to be those shepherds, knowing you're raising these beautiful little helpless lambs to be killed, Sister Mary. Yes, there was. She asked, was there any significance to the swaddling clothes? Yes, there, there was. That's how the shepherds, when the lamb was born, would wrap the, the sheep up because they didn't want this particular lamb damaged. It had to be unblemished. So they would wrap them in swaddling, in, in, in garments, in, in, in uh, linen, so that they couldn't kick or get their wool damaged anyway, so that they could be used as the sacrifice. And so that's why the shepherds knew exactly what the angel was speaking about. You shall find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. See, every morning and every evening, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. What does it say? It says a continual burnt offering. This is why Israel was justified because there was continually every single day an offering for justification. Do you understand that? Do you understand what's happening in heaven right now? Our high priest continually is making intercession for us. He fulfilled being the burnt offering. So that that's why we can be perfect. Because not that we are perfect. But the sacrifice is continual. He ever liveth to do what? Make intercession for us. Isn't that awesome? Israel had to have this morning and evening sacrifice every day. Because someone in that camp was sinning. Someone was messing up. But it wasn't so much about them. It was about the sacrifice. Because the sacrifice was continual. They could get, if they put faith in it, if they repented, God's grace. A continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak unto thee. So Jesus fulfilled that, literally becoming the morning and evening sacrifice because it was the third hour of the day, which was nine o'clock, which was when they would kill the first lamb, is when they crucified him. And then he stayed on the cross six hours till the... Uh, 3 o'clock, which was when they would kill the second lamb. Mark 15, 34, In the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, fulfilling being our covering. That's why it must hurt him 
when we don't come to him in faith. Because he says, what more can I do? I have fulfilled the covering that makes you perfect. What did Hebrews 10, 14 says? He hath perfected forever them that come to him and, and, and that are sanctified in the process of sanctification. Just as Israel was sanctified because there was a sin offering going up every day, morning and evening. It was a continual sacrifice. And that's why the Bible says we too must do that. We've got to keep this flesh in a continual sacrifice. So Christ became literally fulfilled that offering, our burnt offering. Exodus 29, 18, and thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Ephesians 5, 2 says, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us as what? An offering and a sacrifice to God. For a sweet-smelling savor. It was the offering that Noah made that granted God to come into covenant and said, Listen, I'm not going to keep cursing the earth. In fact, I'm going to make a covenant with, with, with man. And he put his bow in the sky. He's given us a covenant of the Holy Spirit. And he's put his bow, his covenant, in our hearts. So, God gave his own body as the sacrifice. So, The justification part is by faith in the shed blood. When we believe, when we, when we come to Christ and we believe it. Now, we can do like Abel and we go through the motion and give a a sacrifice, but if there's no faith behind it, then it is useless. God did not accept uh, Cain's offering. And we find out in Hebrews why, because it was not offered or mixed with faith. Colossians 1.21 tells us, it says, and you, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Now the scripture says, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling, I mean bringing back the world to him in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable. Think about those words. Here's what the scripture says, that Christ's death was to make us unblameable. You can't pin nothing on me, Satan. Because the charge has been paid for in full. It's not that I didn't do it, but it's been paid for. I don't owe you anything. That's what the scripture says. You shouldn't owe your flesh anything to yield to those works anymore. Because it says Christ paid for it in his flesh, in the body of his flesh through death, to present you, that's me and you, holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now, if you could believe that, that you're unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, then you would have some faith. You could go ask God anything, right? But it's because we doubt. We, we, think, we, we, we think we still have all those stuff that we did. And he's so clever, Satan. As I told you, he'll bring up 50-year stuff to me. And I'll be thinking about it for a while. <laughs> I have to consciously say, come on now, God has forgiven me. That's in my past. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable. Otherwise, what we're saying is that Christ's death was not good enough. Could save somebody else, but I'm so terrible he couldn't save me. That's because of our lack of faith. That's why this burnt offering, this removal of guilt was in Christ's death. 
Now the trouble is, we are still not accepting it, or else we would come to him boldly, to a throne of grace there to receive mercy. This is what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He's speaking his flesh to lives. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. We have to live by faith. We have to believe that all our sins were forgiven because Christ fulfilled the burnt offering. If we don't believe that, then our walk will be in vain because this is a walk of faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not sight. If I walk by sight, boy, uh, I'd want to give up. I have to believe that God loves me. I have to believe God loves you so much, so much. And the more you can believe that, the more your offering is accepted. Amen. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Amen. Amen. Gave his spirit. The covering. What's the covering? It's the Holy Spirit. Symbolized in the Old Testament in that the, 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 the offering, the skin, was given to the priest as a covering. They could use it. Amen. And that's God's grace. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having thus said thus, he gave up the ghost. See, it's his covering that we need. If we try and cover with any other covering covering like Adam did, which is our own works, our own self-righteousness, our own uh, thinking we're so smart. Isaiah 31 says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. The prodigal son couldn't cover himself. No, he was destitute and probably full of sores and didn't smell too good and looked a total mess. But the father said, bring, 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 bring me the best robe. So he didn't have to walk into the house where everybody could see his shame. He was covered. In fact, in the ring, that sets it off. That, that tells everybody who wanted to know, this is still my son. He still has a place in the house. Amen. Ezekiel 37, 6 says, And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you, cover you with what? Skin. In the Old Testament, again, skin is a, is a metaphor for the covering of the Holy Spirit, because it was that that Adam and Eve lost. And he shall live, and he shall know that I am the Lord. God can... can take us out of some impossible situations. He can cover us and restore us to life. He can restore some impossible situations, totally hopeless-looking situations. Amen. Isn't God great? That was the burnt offering. So I've got half an hour to do the, everything else now. Now we're going on to the my favorite one, actually. Yes, <laughs> the trespass offering. Amen. That's the one that really gets us out of trouble. Amen. The trespass offering. Now, it says guilt offering, but it was, all, it was guilt towards your fellow men. Now, remember, the burnt offering was justification by, between you and God. The trespass offering was between you and man. You stole something. Now, the beautiful thing about the trespass offering is it didn't matter what kind of sin you did. You still had a possibility of forgiveness. 
Now with the burnt offering and the sin offering, if it was deliberate and you knew what you were doing, no amount of offering would fix that because it was directly against God. And God is holy. God is perfect. No amount of sin offering could fix something if you premeditatedly did it. But when it came to the trespass offering, most of our sins are premeditated. If you lie against somebody, you, 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 you didn't do that by accident. Oh, I accidentally lied. Sister Mary. I'm going to get to that. She said, with the sin offering, when one knowingly sins, how, do, how does that get forgiven? I'm going, to, I'm going to get to show you the beauty of how God fixed this problem. Amen. All right. So we have the trespass offering, which was against your fellow man, right? If, if a soul sin and commit, this is Leviticus 6, verse 1, and the Lord spake to Moses saying, if a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord and lie unto his neighbor. Now all sins are really against the Lord. And so that's why it says it. But it's speaking about who the sin was directly committed against. If you lie against your neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep or in his fellowship or in a thing taken away by violence. If you, if you rob your neighbor or hath deceived his neighbor, or have found that which was lost and lieth concerning. You found something belong to your neighbor, and you pretended it was yours, right? All these things are against your fellow men more directly. Sweareth falsely. So all of these things are deliberate. You don't accidentally steal something, right? You, <laughs> it's kind of hard to accidentally steal something. I'm trying to think how you would do that. So this is premeditated, right? But here's the beauty of it. In the, in the burnt offering or the sin offering, premeditation was out because you were doing it. There was no man involved. You sinned directly against God. No forgiveness. But if it was against your fellow man, here's the, here's the beauty of this. Or verse 5, or all that which he had sworn falsely, he shall even restore it in the principle and shall add the fifth part more thereto, and give it unto him whom it appertaineth in the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord. A ram without blemish out of the flock, with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest. And it goes on to say, and you shall be forgiven. Now isn't that something? What that was saying is if you trespassed against your fellow man, if you restored plus a fifth, plus 20%, and now here's the big part, and confessed. You had to fess up about this. You couldn't hide it. You had to confess. If you confessed and you restored and you brought, you paid back a fifth. That's why you know Zacchaeus went above and beyond to show his repentance. He said, I'll give back a quarter. I'll give back a half. I forgot exactly, but it was more than a fifth. He wanted to show that even by the law, he was trying to, to have his trespasses forgiven. And the priest shall make atonement for him, atonement for him, for he that sinned in one of these. And here's the miracle. And it shall be forgiven. And it shall be forgiven. Isn't that great? And it shall be forgiven. 
Now, how does that solve us with the ones where it's the sin and it's deliberate? Well, let's just look at how God fixed. God is amazing. Because the Bible says Jesus fulfilled all of these offerings. Not only was he our burnt offering, he was our sin offering, but more specifically, he was also our trespass offering. Now look at this. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And in the Hebrew, it doesn't come out in the King James, but the word there is for trespass offering. It's asham. It means a trespass offering. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now, what does this mean? See, before in the Old Testament, God was not in a human form. Any sin you committed was against the Spirit of God. It wasn't against a man. And you did that deliberately and you died the Holy in, in Hebrews it said uh, under the without mercy in Hebrews 2 it says you died without mercy under the word of uh, of of uh, the angels you died without mercy but you could get forgiveness if it was a trespass sin so what did god do he became man <laughs> do you see that he became man and when he became man now the sins against man can be forgiven, even deliberate sins, even the worst murderer, even the worst, worst rapist, if they truly confess and repent. Colossians 2.13 says, And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, means made alive, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Trespasses. Now, the proof of that, of course, is in Matthew 6 when the disciples came and asked Jesus, could you teach us to pray? Could you teach us to pray like John teaches us? So he says, after this manner, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He goes, and then it comes to say, forgive us our sins, our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. So when your sin now is a trespass, that means it's against your fellow man. In this case, the, the one who is the fellow man is Jesus, God in the flesh. You can be forgiven. In fact, he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. But even, even deliberate sins. Jesus himself said, listen, if they say anything against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven. Now there is still an unforgivable sin which hasn't changed. Against the spirit. Same as in the Old Testament. See, but, but now God made it so much easier for us to get forgiveness of a trespass because he became man. Now the sin is against him. And he took it all. He took it all. Mark 2, 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Luke 12, 10, whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, what does it say? And yet that was God in the flesh. God in the Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, you cannot, you still can't do premeditated sins against the Spirit of Truth because that is blasphemy. But you can call Jesus any name you want. If you repent, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. There is still that distinction because 
Uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is against the spirit of truth. What that really means is, is that you know the truth, but you choose to not accept the truth. Therefore, God can't do anything about that. It's not like he has to persuade you. The people in who the blasphemy was first accused of in, in Matthew were the Pharisees where they saw Jesus cast out these demons. They absolutely knew the truth that this was a miracle. But they denied the truth and said, oh, we did it by demons. So it's not as if God has got to convince them the truth. They know the truth. It's they have chosen. It's an absolute choice. It's an absolute choice. It's like the scripture that says they chose to serve the creature rather than the creator. When people do that, then it's not God's fault. They have chosen to reject truth. Amen. So we see that God, even in the symbols of the Old Testament, had prepared a way of escape. He prepared the burnt offering for our covering. Amen. To take away guilt and shame. He prepared the trespass offering for our forgiveness. Amen. And for our cleansing from everything of all unrighteous. He prepared the sin offering and then he became that himself. Amen. So the burnt offering, just to to review this, is for the removal of guilt towards God. That's our justification. Justified when we believe by faith. The sin offering is for forgiveness of unintentional sin. And that's our atonement. And the trespass offering is the removal of sins of any kind against our fellow man. And in this case, it was Jesus. Amen. But all of those only dealt with the current problem. There's still a problem. There's still an issue. Even with all of those, there we still have an issue. We still have an issue. And that's this sin nature. The sin nature. And the fact that without redemption, we still were all going to die. See, I've, I've taught that when they gave the Ten Commandments, God actually gave no punishment. He gave no punishment. He gave Moses the Ten Commandments, but there was no punishment. And the proof of that is, of course, in Numbers 15, when they caught the very first person breaking the law, they didn't know what to do with him. They brought him to the elders. They didn't know what to do with him because God had not said what should be done with him. They brought him to Moses. Moses didn't know what to do with him. They brought him to what I'm going to call the angel of the Lord, and he said, you got to stone him. (laughs) That's right. He was picking up sticks on the Sabbath day because up until then, there was no prohibition against working on the Sabbath. And this man had gone out, as he probably always did, and picked up sticks to make a fire on the Sabbath day. And the, the, the command was to put him to death. You see... We find, though, that in the New Testament, this occurrence is not called the law of God. It's always called the law of Moses, right? Moses told us, Moses did, but grace and truth came by. Isn't that strange? Amen. But all of these, all of these sin problems, all of these offerings could not, Bible says in Hebrews, could not make those who brought them perfect. It was just a, a temporary crutch you know they had to kill 760 something animals a year and they had to be perfect as i said i would not have wanted to be a shepherd because every single perfect lamb you raised was destined to be offered as a sacrifice how disheartening to be a shepherd but until they heard the angels say peace on earth good news 
good news because this day is born in Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that's why the scripture in Hebrews 10, 14 says, by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are being sanctified. And that's what broke the, the, the old law. Amen. But it's still, as I said in the Old Testament, we still had a problem. We're still waiting for, for one more thing. We, are, we have our soul sealed, but we've still got this old messed up body. And it sometimes trips us up. It sometimes makes us uh, get angry and say stuff we wish we hadn't said. Amen? Act in certain ways we regret. But God has got a solution for that. Amen? Philippians 3.21 says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body? according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things. Now the, way, the wording of this is interesting. He didn't say all things under himself, but unto himself. Meaning to bring it to himself, to change it into himself, to make us like himself. The Bible says when we see him, we shall be like him. Isn't that awesome? Second Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face, when we start looking at Jesus... Instead of ourselves, as beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. When we will continue to look at Jesus, the author and the finisher, we can be changed. If we look at our surroundings and who we are and our messes, we will not be changed. In the glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into that same image. What image? His image. From the glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We're in the process now of the change of priesthood. When Jesus died, there became a change of priesthood. That old ceremonial stuff was only a shadow of what God was trying to show the Jews and in, in fact fulfill in the church. See, because those burnt offerings were all fulfilled in Christ. Amen. All we have to do is accept it by faith. Let's look a little bit closer here. 1 Corinthians 15.52 In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And I think it's in Romans 8.20 it says for the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain to wit waiting for the redemption of the children the sons of God, the revealing. That's the last part we're waiting for. We've got, we've got the Holy Spirit, which is the deposit, but we need to move into the house. Amen. Amen. I'm waiting to move into the house. Brother Tim closed on his house. He's waiting to move into the house. But he's been over there checking it out. I know that. <laughs> Amen. Uh, he's been over there checking it out and just sending some nice pictures. This is what the garage looks like now. Amen. God has through the Holy Spirit given us little glimpses of from now on, uh, from now on and now to what heaven is going to be like. We get little glimpses, but it's nothing to be compared with the real thing. That's why we have to hold on and endure to the end because there is coming a change. So in, in symbol, the, the, the offerings that were given, the last one that really uh, changed everything, of course, was the offering on the Day of Atonement. In Leviticus, I believe 16, 26, And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. In the Jewish, it's called Yom Kippur. 
It shall be a holy convocation unto you. You shall afflict your souls. In other words, you've got to consecrate yourselves, just like what we've been doing. You're going to have to fast. You're going to have to treat that day as a Sabbath. So everything you do on a Sabbath, on this day, you're going to have to do just the same thing. No picking up sticks. No doing anything that is considered work. It shall be an holy convocation unto you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. We've been talking about the offerings. Well, there were some special, unique offerings on the Day of Atonement once every year. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. See, the sin offerings, the daily sin offerings were for the nation. They were for the whole nation. But the atonement ceremony was personal. It was between you and God. Amen. Even though it was for the whole nation, in this case it was personal. Amen. Let's look at this in a little bit of detail and we'll try and get this done before we finish. Then shall he kill a goat of the sin, of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil. And do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Only on the day of atonement was the blood taken all the way in. Before that, the blood of every other day, every day they, they sacrificed animals was only sprinkled on the veil outside. But on the day of atonement, they would take the blood all the way in past the first veil, past the second veil, up unto the Ark of the Covenant itself and sprinkle it before the mercy seat. You understand what happened when Jesus died. He also became our atonement. That's why in Hebrews 9 it says he has now entered in. Not the place made with hands. But to heaven itself there to appear on our behalf. See on the day of the atonement was when they were really for that one day made perfect. Our day of atonement began at Calvary. And it ends with the rapture when, we, when it's sealed. Again, that's why Hebrews 10, 14 says, He hath perfected forever them that are being sanctified. Hallelujah. And to the people that bring His blood within the veil. This was the only time too that blood was put on the golden altar, on the horns of the golden altar. And the priest would take his shovel and take the coals and put it on the, on the golden altar and sprinkle the, the blood with the, with the other um, um, frankincense. And there would be a mist that would come off. And it's only with that mist and that blood could he go behind the curtain. And when he would come out, he would make the sign of, of the shin, which represented God's name, Shaddai, over the people. And he would call the name of God over the people. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities. See, Jesus became our scapegoat. Aaron would, there would be two goats and Aaron would lay his hands on one of the goats and he would put all the sins on that goat. He would declare this goat is going to take all the sins of the people. You see, Jesus fulfilled, he took all our sins and then they would take the goat and lead it away by the hand of a strong man because they wanted that thing far away. They never wanted that goat wandering back into the camp because <laughs> it had all the sins on it. They would take it as far as that guy could go. They'd say, don't stop till you're about to drop. We want you to take that goat as far away from the camp as possible. The Bible says he has cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered anymore. See, he fulfilled this very important atonement offering. 
And in his flesh, that's what he did. The Bible said, he who knew no sin became sin. And that's why he was so disfigured that Mary didn't even recognize him. He'd been beaten up physically. But beyond that, when she first saw him, she couldn't really recognize who he was. Because he had been marred. The Bible in, in Isaiah 53 says, he who knew no sin. And you know how bad we feel when we mess up? Can you imagine how Jesus felt having every single sin in this whole world placed upon him? The, the sin of the rapist, the sin of the murderer, the sin of the child molester. Every sin that was going to be committed was placed upon him. That's why he said, I don't want to drink this cup. I've said so many times, it wasn't the, the crucifixion, it wasn't the nails, it wasn't the whipping. I don't think it was any of that. It was the fact that he would have to experience what it's like in his flesh to feel sin, to feel that separation in his flesh now. He had to be able to experience it. That's what the atonement is for. High priest would lay his hands on this sacrifice, this offering, and pronounce all the sins, and they would take it away. The other goat represents the soul, and it was sacrificed and taken back to God. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel. This is what made them unique because their God, Jehovah, could cleanse their sins at least for a year. All the other nations, that, that, that just did not happen. All their transgressions in all. See, and God must look at us and say, Oh, ye of little faith, if I did that for Israel with some goats... And yet I came in my flesh and you still don't trust me. You still don't believe me. That's how we hurt God's feelings. They're since putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities. It's funny how that has come to mean the greatest of all time. <laughs> Because Jesus was the greatest of all time. He became the goat that took away our sins. And the goat, the greatest of all time, which is Jesus, shall bear upon him all their iniquities into a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Amen. So the high priest will pronounce all the sins. This is the offering that really fix, fixes the sin problem. See, when we are raptured, that's when the sin problem really gets fixed. Right now, we, we have the earnest, but we still have got this horrible flesh that has its desires and its lusts, but there is coming a time when we shall see him as he is. Amen. If you could stand with me. I'm not going to finish this today. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Isaiah 53 says, Three, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, do you believe that? He hath borne our griefs. Every time you cry, every time you're sorrowful, every time you are down, depressed, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded. For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. As I said it's really interesting that today in modern terms. Goat has come to mean the greatest of all time. 
And the symbol in the Old Testament of the goat that took away the sins. Amen. It's fulfilled in Jesus who truly is the greatest of all times. And you see even in scripture how this was fulfilled because as he came out, they found a man, Siren of Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And it fulfilled the symbol of a fit man leading the goat, the symbol of our sins. Amen. And we could go on, but I just want to tell you tonight, as we only have one more week of this consecration, that we have to come to Christ by faith. Amen. The offerings have been made. He has become our burnt offering. He has become our sin offering. He is our trespass offering. Hallelujah. Amen. And by one offering, he hath perfected forever them, hallelujah, that are being sanctified. Them that are being made holy by one offering. Because all of those are combined in the body and the flesh of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice at Calvary. Amen. And so we have so much to thank God for. And if we could rise in faith just to understand that we are loved. Amen. That we are loved. We are loved. I have to say it again, that you are loved. And he's still looking at you and saying, this is my beloved. In whom I'm well pleased. If you have faith. If you have faith. If you have faith. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to close this Bible study tonight. And I hope when you go, you will meditate upon this. By one offering. Hebrews 10, 14. He hath perfected forever. Amen. He's not coming back to deal with sin. He's already dealt with it. We just have to go down to the bank of love and grace and draw some. Amen. He's deposited it all in there and it's for us to, to write a check. Amen. And tell Satan, listen, paid in full. <laughs> paid in full. He said, tell us, Ty, it is finished. It is finished. Amen. And we are under God's grace and his love. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Let it find good soil. Let it encourage us. Let it edify us. Let it bless us. Help us, oh God, to live in your joy. Hallelujah. To understand your love, oh God. That we will have a peace that passes human understanding. Not to be lifted up in pride, but in humbleness. Hallelujah. Oh God, in humility, Lord Jesus, for the love and grace that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, we just give you praise tonight. We thank Thank you for your sacrifice on Calvary. Lord, we do not despise it, but we lift it up, O oh God. Hallelujah. We look unto you who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God a praise offering tonight.